Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Kaddish Gallery Q&A podcast. I'm Chris Reno. This time we talk with Kristen Quinn about her gorgeous oil paintings in the gallery currently. Do yourselves a huge favor. Stop by the gallery and check out this work. You will not be disappointed, I promise you. Let's all welcome uh, Kristen Quinn to the gallery for her <laughs> podcast Q&A. Congratulations on the show. Uh, we, we can say that you had a sabbatical last spring. Yes. So she was away painting for mo- most of the spring and summer, and a lot of this work, or most all of it, is because of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So this is her uh, professorial research. The, the, the other expectation that they have for us is that you make work so that you're relevant to your students, and uh, this is the, the outcome of her research. And um, as the gallerist, I think it's, it's a great pleasure for us to give you guys the, now a show to show that research here on campus and, and see what the work, uh, what, what came out of it. So do you want to just briefly, as an opening statement, say what came out of this particular sabbatical research that's maybe new or? Sure. So can you guys hear me in the back? Yeah. Um, thank you, Rachel. Um, thanks for coming. Um, I'm sad Renee's not here today, um, so I hope that happens because I think her show in Marcy is just so elegant, and there's strange connections between the shows, so I think she and I need to go on the road together, because with the strange, driftless spaces in both of our work, I, we had no idea, but I, I really, just a shout out to that show, too, so check that out as well, so, and Renee's mama's right here, so <laughs> thank you. Um, so, um, for students... Um, there's this thing in academia called a sabbatical, and it's, um, it's really a gift. Uh, you can apply for a sabbatical every seven years or so of teaching. Um, I waited 14 for this one, so I was really fully, fully ready to um, take it on. And so with all the sabbaticals, I think I've had three in my time here, I always try to make rules um, so that I don't start the semester or don't start this valuable time off trying to make paintings the way I know how to make paintings. So I make rules about trying to say things differently, trying not to resort on easy um, things. And I also um, am wildly influenced by um, different landscapes. So um, part of this included travel to the top of, of the Midwest, so up to the UP, up to the North Shore of Minnesota, all around Lake Superior, um, all the way down the river, um, back and forth, back and forth to watch migration happen in Trempolo. That's been a, a spot of great, um, wonderful, wonderful research for me. Um, so with the travel, I started to develop, um, I like to stand, I started to develop um, this wall of work in my studio, and I talked to painters about this last year, but I just tried to think about one idea, and quickly, 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 one idea at a time, so it might have been like the color of light through a maple, or, and I won't show all of these, um, ice breaking on the river. Um, 
duckweed and shadows on duckweed um, and sort of the water moving. So some gestures from kayaking through duckweed happen in the far painting with the pink, that sort of lattice work. So I have this wall of about 60 pieces that became kind of like um, parts of speech. They became like my periodic table. So that if I get stuck on a painting, I'd go in and go, oh, it needs that. It needs to have that kind of motion blur of birches, right? And so they became sort of the touchstones for building these paintings. But it was also being out in these landscapes where, I mean, we were up at Duluth area, and it was right at snowmelt. And um, the water and the waterfalls that time of year, I mean, I was just mind-blowing. And that's all new to me. I am usually was an East Coast kind of vacationer. So going north is so exotic, you know, like going to Saxon Bog. <laughs> mind-blowing. I mean, and in incredible birds, too. So that's, did I say that yet? <laughs> I didn't say that yet. I like the birds. I like the birds. <laughs> and I, I spend a lot of time waiting in landscape for things to change. And, and so that notion of the things you do in a landscape when you're looking for a particular bird, you listen, you smell, you look high, low, near, far. Sometimes it's right in front of you. Like once I was at Credit Island and I was looking, I heard the pileated woodpecker. It's like, oh, there he is. Can you make the noise, John? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Anyway, um, but so you're looking, 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 and then I look down. It's like, it was right by my feet. <laughs> it was right there. So, um, so that's sort of a hobby that influences the work as well. So that was an introduction. So this work is all from that time. I think one piece was started prior, back in the back. Uh, I was wondering, do you do any plein air work, or do you work from photographs to help your memory? <clears throat> I don't do plein air work. Uh, I don't work on site. I, I, I move, I walk, I hike, and I bring things back. So I do sometimes print out photographs of things. Like I have this great photo of um, shadows in the bog. And I, I, I haven't really put it in a painting yet, but they're like, but I want that to go in. So I do print out things to look at. So um, I have done plein air, but it's, it doesn't interest me too much. If, OK, so um, you talked about a periodic table that you constructed from the research of going out into the world, uh, particular spots, new, new areas, new landscapes, new forms. Um, and you bring imagery back either through memory or through photographs, no mm -hmm. sketching. Mm -mm. So you're, Not going, much. you're doing a lot of hiking out into the world, experiencing this landscape, taking memories and photographs. And then you go back to the studio and you create the periodic table. And those are um, a vocabulary, so you're thinking about bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And you have all those bits and pieces. Then, then you're like, well, I'm going to start making some paintings. How, how do you start a painting? Is there a particular bit that creates that overall beginning composition? Are they all kind of begun in the same way and they diverge? 
what, how does the painting start then? Hmm. Or is it different each time? Mm. I mean, I, I, this is old for me. I mean, this is, I usually start with, like, if I'm putting a color down, I think of what it is, what I associate with it. So if I'm putting down that, say, that violet blue, I am thinking about water. You know, I'm thinking, I don't think of it as just paint. So if I'm putting down that cinnabar yellow-orange back there, I'm thinking of it like a mat floating on the ground, or if I'm thinking about the pink. So I'm always thinking about structure. Uh, it's never just filling. Mm-hmm. Thinking about a quality of light that I want to start with and then growing things in that light, starting to bend the space, starting to make um, these platforms. So I start to sculpt a color ground. So you might start with the color first. Always, yeah. You start with the color and, and lay it on the canvas as a as a launching pad to then incorporate elements that you've collected mm-hmm. into a. You're you're creating a landscape. You're creating this landscape from scratch in a way. Yeah. Kind of a landscape. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not not you know that's that's well that's a great question. Are these yeah. landscapes or not? Yes, I have. I'm going to avoid that. Next <laughs> <time>. <laughs> I'll answer that. Yeah. Um, it's not always. I mean, sometimes it is arbitrary. Like I, I, I scored this can of cobalt blue. It's like, oh, I never start with that. But it, then it became this body of water. So that might be just like I'm seduced by the color. So sometimes it is that. Um, did I answer that question? What was the question again? I mean, I do think a lot about light slipping. And so, you know, along our river here, just watching the sky pink up at night and then watching that float to the water. So watching that transformation happen. So I really do like dusk and dawn as far as inspiration for colors. And it's also good for migration too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm multitasking. Looking at the color and hoping a big flock of pintail ducks fly by. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You talked about It's a good question. I, I, I do think there are things that feel like they're, they're passing, they're moving, they're decomposing. And there are things that are certainly forming and growing. I want both of those. So there's motion and stasis, I think, in the work. I don't know that I always think of it that way, but I, I want them to have that, to feel like something is just not necessarily melting, but... Is it forming or is it 
decaying. Is that a mound or is that air? I like that ambiguity. And so it's like, I like the landscapes to be, I think they are landscapes, but I like them to suggest, suggest landscape without the obvious tropes. And so previous work, I mean, I do have some things that are worse. I mean, I do like, for a while, I wouldn't let myself put black silhouettes in because I know I, that's a really great way to make a space. Like, whoop, black silhouette, look at that, glows. Those are purple, by the way. <laughs> Those are purple. And, um, so I tried to pull back on that. Um, but in many ways, how do you make a landscape without, how do you make it feel like atmosphere without the puffy cloud? That was one of your rules going into the sabbatical, yeah. to remove some of the silhouettes. Yeah. What are some of the other rules? Um that you set out for this? I wanted them to stay abstract longer. Okay. Like I like to turn things into things. And so the fact that I could let that be up in the sky is, that's not really uncommon. I mean, that's like a friend walked in the other day and said, you're painting landscapes finally. <laughs> I said, oh, I guess they are more, there are some horizons, there are some skies, right? Hmm. That's really interesting, that by removing some of the forms, the identifiable forms, you've created a more concrete space in some way. Yeah. Like they're hard. They're hard. It's a real different way of thinking. Hmm. And I love that. Like, the, they keep you up at night. I mean, like, this painting... <laughs> <laughs> And those are the best paintings, yeah. the paintings that, like, you, I said it to class this morning, but once it's like, you're so stuck, you got to open up the can of whoop ass on it. Mm-hmm. You just got to do it. And, and it scares you and makes you a little nauseous. Those are always the best paintings because they teach you something about something new. And that red, it wouldn't dry. It, it just wouldn't dry, and it was two weeks before the show. Oh, no, no, no. I like it, but I want to glaze over it. And then, um, so it, the day before the show went up, I finished it. So mm. I, I like that. Mm. I hope you let it dry enough. I hope you let it dry enough. <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's cadmium. <laughs> well, any other rules? Oh, these are small. That was new. That was thing. You yeah, were, you to go yeah, and um, that that was actually you know my paintings are about like typically that middle size and up, and it's only been in the last year and a half or so I've started to work this scale, like two years maybe, and so what's great about working small is man you can move, like it doesn't take me two years to finish a painting mm-hmm. like the big ones do, so it was fun to really let a big body of work inform one another. How did you adjust to the smaller size? Smaller brushes? Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just that. Yeah, I mean, there there were days where I'd be practically blind from like, <laughs> that's not typical. So like making those little marks. Should I tell them about the credit cards? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. 
I paint with credit cards. <laughs> That's the new rule. That's one thing to do with them. Yeah. I love to put paint with credit cards. Like, if, so don't throw away gift cards and credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wear out. You they gotta, do wear out, yeah. but they make they make really beautiful marks if you go boop, 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 or you can scrape with them, and then you don't have to clean brushes. <laughs> I know you love to clean brushes. <laughs> uh huh. Def definitely working on panel that's a whole new kind of vocabulary because I can I can really be much more physical like I do times take my paintings out to the porch put a mask on and sand them with the power sander to be if they're misbehaving and it's like I don't like you anymore <laughs> I take, take them to the woodhouse and go um, so I like excavating that out Maybe that's back to that geology stuff, right? more typically of the work before this, I would make space by intensive layering, like just really like a, like a, uh, like a puppet stage, layer, 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 layer. And I wasn't letting myself do that. So in some ways, I am dealing with some things like foreground, middle ground, background, and, um, you know, bending the space in a way I never used to. So I think there is some, there is three-dimensionality in these that probably wasn't there before. It was more space created by that layering. So is there another not really. It just happened. They just started to become these things. And, you know, again, I'm spending a lot of time there's a lot of time walking along water, along reeds, and along waterfalls. And there's a lot of like looking at that kind of space to bring back into the studio. Is Riley in here? Riley, you, you mentioned something. I had my class in here talking about the paintings in the space. That way. Do you remember what you said about the landscape and how you saw it as a compression of different views? Do you want to, you think you could piece that together again and say it? <laughs> Not, it's, it's like oh, oh. oh. I, I said Riley, but you also said, but you guys were in the same conversation. Randy, Randy you go after Riley. Riley first, then Randy. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think you were looking at the one that uh, Dominic uh, was reacting to, the green one, yeah. The turquoise sea green one. Oh, I like that painting. Here it becomes 
Yeah. Okay, now, and now, Randy, you say the same thing because you had a different take. What, what was yours now? Um, same location, different times, different days, different years, different seasons. Compressed. Compressed. Through layering. So something about perspectival space bending, as you said, and then something about this layering and this translucency and this excavation. Two different people, you mm -hmm. know, kind of came at this, kind of came at this idea from different places. I'm curious, what, what do you think about that? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody's seen this work yet, so it's really refreshing to hear that because I do think about those things. I think about, you know, when I'm in a, a space. I want to represent it all. You know, I want it to feel like what's underneath you, what's over you, what's behind you. Because that's what you feel when you're in, uh, an, a, a, well, I'll call them exotic locations. I want them to feel that roundness. Hmm. And there is a lot of looking up and looking down and looking. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that shifting perspectives when I'm out there. So, I, yeah, I definitely don't want them to feel fixed. I want them to feel like there is... I think every painting plays with that notion that we come into a gallery and we look at a painting and we get it all at once instantaneously. And then we revisit the painting. We spend time with it. We revisit it. We see it different points in our life. If it's a favorite painting, we go back to it and see it again. We see different things in it. So I think every painting is playing with time in some weird, any, every successful painting is playing with time in the way that we, uh, take it in visually and grow to feel the space within it. But, but that's different than, than what you're talking about. Or it's, it's, you're magnifying that. You're taking that one step further here in terms of this landscape is an envelopment of space and time together. That's not completely new for you, but, but there is something new about that here. No, I don't think it's radically new. Yeah, but I, that's something that's been part of your painting career trajectory for right. a while. This is the first time I've seen them all up. So I've seen them on my floor in my studio. So it's it's they're unfolding for me too hmm. about how they're different. Hmm. Um, <laughs> we need the retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> the re yeah, I was we'll getting some earlier paintings we'll have to compare that in here next. Uh, in terms of the excavating with the sander, that was new, wasn't it? Or no? Had you done some of that before? No. Not, no. Not like this? So the, there are some paintings on canvas. Don't, don't sand paintings on canvas, okay? It's harder, but harder. Don't imitate my practice. It's bad, okay? Um, but the, so the middle painting is canvas, and it's, you paint... When it's canvas, and this painting here is canvas, um, there's a lot more bounce. To the, so there's a different kind of gesture on the works on canvas versus works on panel. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a little different. I prefer the panel. Yeah. Vicki. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious about your process. So do you start a painting, finish one painting, or you go to another painting, or are you working on multiple pieces? over your months, you know what I mean? And my other question, second part, you you mentioned when you're out hiking, you, you take in the sounds, incorporate those. Do you listen to any music or bird sounds or something while you're painting? 
Sometimes silent. Sometimes it's like Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> Sometimes a podcast. But a lot of times if it's like that that very end, silent. Um, so I I listen to NPR a lot, really, honestly. Um, what was the first question? Um, if you work on this is overstimulous for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> you work on one piece at a oh, no, yeah. Or multiple pieces that, you know, you wake up in the I work on, I try to always have paintings that are in the beginning, in the middle, and close to the end. And so I can work on upwards of a dozen paintings at once. And I like to have also paintings that are small, medium, and large, because the larger are harder. And so sometimes I just need to go to the small one to get my confidence up. Um, or sometimes I need to go to the big one to get my confidence up to go. So, but I think the, the best thing is to have a painting that is just that bare bones baby painting that I always tell my students I have this one painting where I just wipe my stinking brushes off on it at the end of a session. <laughs> and those are always the paintings that are it's just, they're so joyous because it's like, well, it can be anything. It's not already a thing. Like, whereas this painting, it was a thing too early on and I couldn't move. So those paintings that are just free, um, I love to have those in the studio because sometimes these are too hard to go to. So you always want to move. You know, you want to make something happen every time you're in the studio. And so it just depends on your psyche if you're at that beginning or that middle stage. I usually start um, the beginning, of, I usually start the first hour doing something on paper. Even if it's ugly, just something on paper. And so I also do um, collages. Like I do these just real quick, like for the first 45 minutes, I say, do something, make it finished. Because these are so open-ended, I time myself and say, make something happen. And um, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but I just keep them as a record. So I have a stack of collages like this, you know, like lots of them. Um, and this is this sort of weird collage that turned into the shelters. Mm. Just this was an accidental structure that happened here. Mm. Mm. And um, then it became, it landed in that because that little painting needed some kind of, it, it was too vast. It was just like, <laughs> you just could go forever in there. And I needed to like make a midpoint. I just didn't want to get swallowed by the painting. And so this happened in there, and it happened in another painting out here. And then there, there's a place in Florida called Stickville. There's a place where there are these structures like this in the water that my friend sent me pictures of. It's like, oh, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a place. I need to move there. Mm. So, so again, I, I, I usually started out with works on paper. Saiga, you had a question. Yes. Um, so you have very deliberate stripes at times, mm. and on occasion, the piece behind me, there's a very definite geometry. Yeah. So can you talk about that? That painting in particular? Well, just oh. that contrast, most of your oh. work is very organic. And then on occasion, it throws these, to me, they look like very deliberate stripes uh -huh. or something very deliberately geometric. 
Well, that's a waterfall, Zyga. Middle painting. That big old big painting. Didn't you see it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That it needed to happen. Um, it. Um, I mean, I, I. It's a long transition. Like research happens. You know, like for a while, I was obsessed with hot air balloons, hot air balloons deflating. That turned into, uh, and there's a reason. Um, turned into spinnaker sails, inflated spinnaker sails that are patterned and beautiful. And then it turned into circus tents. And then it turned into, oh, why not like a breech umbrella? And then it on and on and on. So like I, I could, like if I'd go by a used car lot and there those flags, <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I like that it feels like ceremony. It feels like a ritual. It feels like, you know, something's passing. Circus comes to town, it goes. That behind your head is, uh, I like that it looks like a, a circus tent deflating. It was actually Dee's umbrella. She came into my studio, or my uh, studio the other one day, and it was raining, and she had that. She was taking it down, I went, <gasps> stop. And so that's, <laughs> so, and so the, there are like boardwalks too. I think of them like boardwalks. Um, platforms, decks, just ways to just jut out the space. And I love decorative, I love decorative things. So the stripes are just a flow from that. Zyga has a great show at the Figgy right now in the lobby. So go check it out. Mm -hmm. Hi, Athena. Hi, how's it going? Good. <laughs> I was wondering about, so on your first uh, painting on the large ones, you have like, you know, Almost kind of looks like a cloud. Do you do that on some of your paintings? Is it really like a cloud? Where are you seeing it? On the top, where the stripes are. Right here. Yeah. You know, like little cloud Oh, that's that's observant. Um, I wanted to feel like both. Yeah, I absolutely wanted to feel like you're right on, like hills, mounds. Uh, and also air. Yeah, I wanted to feel like both. And that just helped to, this was the same thing, it was just way too vast. And I just needed to like contain it and grab it and bring it forward. But I do like the ambiguity. Is it a mound? Is it water? Is it air? Is it, I want them to walk between things. <laughs> Quality of a, a really well conceived painting is that things have multiple meanings. The artist picks up on it, tweaks the proportions of it. So you get watery sky, you get flinty leaves. Yeah. That's one of the things that I'll keep coming back to this show to work on. It. You know what I see? Initially, and you know, I spend two minutes or something like mm -hmm. this. Real evolving, almost every passage. <laughs> I just got a thumbs up from Les Bell. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I don't think that's every landscape painter's aim. So I'm curious: is there a philosophy behind that push towards the ambiguity? 
I know you're, you you set yourself a purpose here to maybe you, one way to say it is you, you made the paintings a little more abstract and ambiguous than previous times where you would delineate shapes or silhouettes that mm -hmm. grounded us more in the space. These are becoming more fluid. They are becoming more air. Elements are flowing from one into the other and changing it. And really, um, I had a student in here that was felt uncomfortable in the space, didn't know where to stand, didn't know where he was located, and he felt uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a conscious push to create a type of space. And I, I just wonder if, I mean, you know, I, I shared sustainability club with you or, or a committee with mm -hmm. you. So is, is there is there an environment, is there something philosophically about the interconnectedness or the flow of one thing into the other that you are consciously going going after with these? Or is it just a feeling? I mean, I, I think it was really purposeful to go to these waterscapes. Mm. I mean, I think it maybe it's simpler than you're describing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really wanted to go to old growth forests and to um, Pigeon Falls and to places that were filtering like bogs and fens and uh, watersheds. Mm -hmm. um, I really like thinking about how restorative. Mm -hmm. And the, I think that's probably why it's water works. Mm -hmm. so there's a function. Like I really feel like there's a, I don't like to say healing, but it was very restorative. Mm -hmm. Really after... Mm -hmm. um, the hard times teaching during the pandemic, mm -hmm. there was something that was, I was so ready for. And so, yeah, maybe the, the fluidity, the flow one into the other, it's just like, it just feels like after those years, it's we're still going on, but it's like you needed it. Mm -hmm. You just needed to say things differently. Mm -hmm. And um, so I found like never before I found I was, because of, um, don't take this wrong students, I love you, but without the distraction of students, I was really hyper-focused, hyper-hyper-aware, hyper-connected in a way that was almost sometimes scary. Mm. Like, like sometimes I would just know that it's like, I have to get that in my work. Mm. And so I felt like I was pulling things in a way that, um, it, I was just learning at a rate that I really am thankful for. Mm. So thank you, sabbatical. So that focus time, I just tried to use it. Really use it. You were in the landscape and you felt so connected to the space. Mm -hmm. And you had to go back to the studio and get that sense of connection, that sort of the uh, oneness, zen-like zen quality. It could be as simple as just even the light and, you know, uh, and, you know, when you climb, like Randy and I like to climb to similar places, you climb to a bluff top along the river and you get to the treetop and then you get above the treetop and you, oh, it's just amazing food. Mm. You know, I just love watching the strata change as you move up. Mm. So that's at the top of Yellow River Forest. Um, there are these trees at the top, and they're surrounding one of the largest, and it's unmarked, it's one of the largest linear burial mounds along the Mississippi. This guy who worked 
for the park said, hey, you might want to go up there. I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> I can tell you where it is. It's up a utility road. It is cool. But you wouldn't have necessarily started that painting with that location no, in mind. No, no, no. You, you grew to find that space uh -huh. in that painting. Okay. I thought it was interesting to hear you talk about the beginning and a each other for sure um, I, I mean I, I to finish a painting it has to have taught me something and I it I mean I, I really do I feel like painting for me is more uh, it's not a Zen thing it's not pretty it is um, I mean it's a boxing match it's, it's more like it. it's more like wrestling <laughs> And that's how I move, is that sometimes I do purposefully, purposefully do something that is ridiculous. Like, I think that red, I would never have done that. But the painting, and now it's like, whoa, you made your bed. Make it work. <laughs> and so just things that help me to finish a painting have been um, the speed of working on an iPad. So if I'm stuck on a painting, I will use... And I'll move through ideas really quickly, quickly, quickly. And then one of them will hit. Most times that works. So I did about like, you know, the day before the show, there were like seven iterations about how to finish this. And there was one that I thought that's what it's got to be. So that's been fun to just be able to try things on quickly. Did I hear you, that, hear you say that you use technology? <laughs> Kind of. Just wanted to make sure I did. <laughs> he helps me turn my computers on. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Uh, well, okay, so if there's a, a, a boxing match that gets to a sense of Zen connectedness, I also kind of, on the, line, on the lines of that, I think, um, I don't think of you as a dramatic person. But the paintings are so dramatic, you know, and I, so I just wonder, how, how does that happen? Like, is this the is this the inner Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get my party out in my studio. <laughs> we none we none of us get to see this. <laughs> no, I mean, I it's a very tongue in cheek question, but I do think there's something about the epicness and the uh, the. You don't think I'm Wagnerian? <laughs> You're not, but the paintings are. I mean, they are really <laughs> intense uh, storms, beautiful, but uh, very dramatic, high epic drama. And uh, I'm just curious about that. I think they're kind of cleansing. Mm. Um, and again, restorative. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I do think I've... Um, there are some pretty dramatic scapes that I was in, mm -hmm. um, and I think that informed the work. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I have a lot of squeegees. Yeah, lots of squeegees and lots of brushes. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I've, I, you just gotta, you gotta be brave if it's gonna keep continuing to teach you something. Otherwise, you make the same painting. So I do think they're new, and I don't know what's going to happen next, but something. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Do you, um, <clears throat> I was reminded as you were talking of like a, the Rothko's career where the early paintings are very surreal. There's all the characters in there, and then by the end, they're emptied out of all that, and it's just the, the color of the space. Do you think you're going to continue to empty out? Do you think you might go back to bring stuff back in? Where are you at right now? I'm tempted. I mean, I, I, I really do have vocabulary that I like to use that, you know, I, I love bending ornament in a space. I love uh, pattern uh, more than stripes. I, I can see things opening up. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself um, taking out the bones. Okay. Cool. Well, are we, if anyone wants to ask a question, now's the time. Last minute extra credit opportunities for students. Otherwise, anyone, otherwise. Do you really do that? I do, yeah. <laughs> you do, you do, so I'll, I'll take this into consideration when I give you the grade. <laughs> Any other questions for Kristen? Otherwise, I'll we'll, be around. Yes, we'll be here. Another hour. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thanks Kristen. Thanks for coming. This has been Q&A from the Cadditch and Morrissey Galleries at St. Ambrose University. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All rights reserved, 2023.